All right, Jack Underkoffler is the singer and frontman for the band Dead Poets Society. And of course, the band name has nothing to do with the movie. And in fact, Jack hated the name and originally uh, the band. And until the bassist showed up at his doorstep one day uh, and they started making music together and the rest is history. They've now toured with Bad Flower, Seven Dust, Highly Suspect, and apparently another big tour is on the horizon. So they do have some U.S. and European shows on the books. And we're going to discuss that as well as upcoming new music the creative process, and so much more. Stay right there. Like, I was going to ask you about that, because that's one thing I, I, I listened to some interviews, and I didn't hear you talk either, like, about drinking and drugs and stuff like that, or against uh-huh. drinking and drugs. So you guys are still young, so I'm assuming that's still a part of like being in a band and touring and stuff. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, uh, our bassist, um, Dylan, he, uh, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink anymore. He stopped when we were in college. And, um, but the, the rest of us drank, you know, not insane. I mean, occasionally I'll go fucking, you know, wild if I have like a night off or something, but because of the music that we sing or, that I sing, I can't really uh, go crazy most nights because then the next day I'm just hurting and it's just making the show worse. So I just, you know, I just avoid it. But if we have a night off, then I'm like, I'm going to save it all up. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I've heard singers say that too, that alcohol can really affect, uh, especially as you get older, you're still pretty young, but some of these older guys I interview, oh, like, they have to stop drinking when they're get you know, forties, fifties, sixties. I like, can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you could definitely tell it's, it's like somebody took like sandpaper to your vocal cords the next day. They just, everything just works a little worse and everything's sore. Cause you know, you're having like reflux while you're sleeping. You just got all this alcohol and acid sitting on your throat and like, yeah. Is there other tricks you have to do, like things you have to be aware of, like certain things you eat or drink or like talking too loud, all those kinds of things? Like, Yeah, on show days, I tend to not talk too much, which, you know, we're on tours most days. So I've, I've kind of found this nice balance because I, I tried not talking at all for a while. And that fucking sucks. And that just, you know, is boring and makes it really hard to communicate. And then... um this isn't radio, is it? Is it radio? Can I swear? Yeah, you know, you can swear. It's podcast. Fuck shit. Oh, okay. Anything, whatever cool. you want. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I try not to talk too much on show days, especially if we're doing like headline sets. Um, and I drink a lot of water. Like, okay. I try to drink about a gallon of water a day. Dang. Do you carry yeah. around one of those big jugs like the guys at the gym? Yeah, like the douchebags at like <laughs> Planet Fitness. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, never I understood that. I was like, do you really need that much water for one workout? I mean, I get maybe you're try- if you're carrying around for the whole day, then okay. But I never understood that. Yeah. Well, I looked it up and uh, they were saying like 3.5 liters, which was like basically a gallon a day. I'm like, nobody drinks a gallon of water a day. Like that's what you're supposed to drink, apparently. Hmm. And uh you know yeah maybe that's why they have that gallon just to remind them i gotta finish this thing yeah so yeah yeah, new u.s tour uh well u.s tour and european so u.s is first right so how does that work 
are you guys, do you have a van or a tour bus? Or are you doing hotels or cause it's kind of a smaller club tour. Yeah. So, uh, we just actually bought a van for touring and, uh, for the U S run. And, uh, that's good for like cutting back on like hotels and shit like that. But like you still in the U S we still do hotels. And, um, last December we were lucky. We were fortunate enough to have like our friends in, uh, this band, bad flower, you know, split their tour bus with us, which was sick. Cause that was our first tour bus experience. But it was, I think I had hyped it up too much in my own head. You know, when I got, when we had the tour bus, because I was just like, this is going to be insane. Like I never have to drive again. And um, we ended up having 14 people on a 14 person tour bus. And it's like, it's like having a full bus at all, at all times. So the only privacy you get is like, you're like a little tiny cubby. And uh, I'm not complaining, you know, like I got to fucking tour on a tour bus, which is like more than 99% of bands ever get to experience. So it was, it was an awesome experience, but touring in a van, there's something nice about it. Like being able to stop whenever you want at gas stations. And like, it's kind of like not, I don't know. It's about as you have more control. Yeah, exactly. 14 people. I didn't know those buses held 14 people, like 14 bunks or something. How does that work? Yeah. It was like a double decker tour bus. So upstairs was all bunks. Downstairs was like a little living room. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Then what about you did a tour with highly suspect. Was that um, similar? You have a tour bus for that one? No, we, we followed in our van and uh, most all the U S tours we follow in our, we follow in our own van, which is actually pretty fucking sweet. I bought it in January and like the family that had it before us didn't put any miles on it. It only had 9,000 miles and they like converted the whole inside. So it's got like this bed, like this fold out bed. And like, I put a trailer hitch on it and uh, it's just fucking good to go. So that thing is what we tour in when we're over in the U S and um, we just swap out driving. Okay. So then, but yeah. you still have a hotel. You don't, there's not enough room for all of you to sleep in the van. No, no. I mean, we could, but like, no, no, definitely oh, not okay. going to do that. Cause that's gotta be a lot of big concern. Just like try the, the logistics of touring. And I've heard, cause obviously with gas prices and stuff, it's like everything's changing. It's hard to make. Some of these tours got canceled because they're you can't make money off of it, right? Um, no, I mean you can make money. It's it's like uh, yeah, no, it's it's I don't know. It's just a matter of budgeting. Sometimes you got to scale yeah. back on your shows and shit like that. And um, the thing is, is like with most bands that get to that level, you've you've had so much experience, hopefully by that point by playing shitty shows and building your like showmanship that you you know a light show and everything as long as you got good sound and if you can afford it good lights then everything's good but like just be entertaining you know like at the foundation of it if you're in an entertaining band you like know how to have fun with an audience if you have all that experience with at bare minimum you can make a fun show then everything's auxiliary and you just got to learn to like cut back and you know, don't cancel, but you know, do what you can yeah. afford. When you guys play like a club show, like, like obviously when you're opening for bad flower, most of the people are going to see ba- bad flower. So you're hoping to make new uh, fans. Now when it's mm-hmm. a club tour, you guys are kind of the headliner. So are you expecting it mostly to be uh, fans of your band or is there a lot of like, I know the first uh, gig you guys are doing is in here in Phoenix at Valley bar. 
Is there some people that just go to Valley Bar like, oh, I'll just go to Valley Bar and see whatever band's playing and hope that you could turn those people into Dead Poet Society fans? I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of that. We're we're kind of past the stage of we're thankfully we're past the stage of like bar band, like show up and everybody's like, oh, like I got to yell over this band now. We're mm. past that stage. Yeah. We're onto the stage where it's like people are actually buying tickets. Not a lot of people, but people are actually buying tickets. And those shows are just, you know, like when you're opening up for, you know, Bad Flower and stuff like that, you want to, there's like a certain um, level of pressure to like go above and beyond. And then at your own shows, there's a different kind of pressure to go above and beyond, but it's so much more relaxed and fun because everybody's there to see you. So, and and you have that. And so you have this confidence of like, <clears throat> of like, I know if I have a good time, everybody's going to have a good time. So I'm just going to go up there and just fuck around and do whatever I want. And they'll connect because they understand our band and it'll just be an awesome time. And so, uh, yeah, there's, it's kind of like a difference between the two. There's a lot more pressure with an opening slot. Yeah. Much more freedom with these. And also you're, you're closer to these fans, like literally like you're, there's mm-hmm. smaller venues so you can like really like connect with the crowd more. Cause I would think sometimes those bad flower shows you like there, a lot of the people haven't gotten there yet. That's what I see with those opening slots. Sometimes a lot of the, like, not so maybe much with that one, but like some where there's like four or five bands, you know, it's like, if you're the first one, it's like, you might be playing to like a 10% full stadium, like classless act, perfect example, opened up for the stadium mm-hmm. tour with like all those bands. And I mean, I think, I don't even think you could get into the to the uh, venue by the time they started, like before people even got into the venue. It was very strange. That the way sucks. They yeah. That sucks so much. And I, I feel like, I mean, who were they opening for? Classless Act? Th- there was a stadium oh. tour. It was, it was like Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Joan Jett and Poison. It was like gotcha. that huge stadium I feel tour. Like that's on the fault of, of like whoever planned the tour. Cause that's yeah. just like shitty, you know? Like you bring these opening bands along to like help build them. Right. And you like them and you think they're going to put on a good show and get everybody ready for you. But if you're just kind of like throwing them in as this like passing, like, you know, like lobby act band, it's, it's kind of, yeah. that's kind of shitty, you know? Lobby, like, that's a good, yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, by the time we got there, we missed Joan Jett and, uh, and Classless Act when I went to that. But then I saw Classless Act, they pay, played at Valley Bar, the same place you were playing. And I was like, oh, these guys are awesome. That's, it's kind of a fun venue. Have you ever played Valley Bar before? No. Okay. No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. yeah. It'll be I'm cozy. It. Yeah. So, are you right. going to be? Are you guys promoting an upcoming album and playing new songs, or is this all going to be old stuff? So we are going to play some new songs that aren't out yet, and uh, we're actually, you know, because we've done, we've toured through these places like multiple times now in the past like year. They're like, how can we make this show more interesting? So we're we're going back to like some of our really old stuff too. Hmm. pull some of that out and some of the really new stuff and see how we can like kind of change up the set a little bit and make it interesting for people who have been to our shows before. And, um, and hopefully, you know, also on top of that for anybody who hasn't been to our shows, kind of introduce them to the, like the, the chaos of our headlining shows. Oh yeah. I haven't seen you guys live. So I'm hoping to make a Valley bar show. Yeah. Dude, it's a good fucking time. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I was only a kind of a casual fan. And then I saw the press release and I saw it was Phoenix and I was like, huh. And I, and then I was like, I should have him on the show. And I started listening more. I was like, Oh, I, I really like this. Like you, you guys are one of those bands that have like 
every song is good. I mean, there are many songs are very different, but it's kind of like, like a dream theater or kind of those things where it's like, you could tell you didn't just phone it in. Like, okay, we need some songs to fill out the album. Like every song is kind of complex and, uh, and different. I, I heard you talking about that. Like that's on purpose. There's no rules. You're not trying to find a certain sound. It's just, let's see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how we've always written. Cause like everybody in the band is so ADHD. Like it's hard for us to stay focused on one song in particular. And yeah. then once we're done writing that song, we move on to the next one. We're, we're so tired of that sound because writing our music takes a long time, you know, because we, you know, try to get like a map, but sometimes the map doesn't, doesn't like come out some you're Sometimes you're like microscopic, you know, like writing a riff note by note kind of thing. And, um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, you just end up with these like, these songs that take a long time, but we're really proud of them at the end of the day. Cause you know, I, I, I can't do that. Like, let's just fill out the album. Like this song is okay. And nobody else in the band can do that. You know, it's like, we got to like these songs. Otherwise we never play them again. You know, is it, it sounds like it's a, a lot of the songs are very collaborative. Like you're people are writing different parts and it's not just like you came in with a song or maybe you did. I don't know. Is it, how does it usually work? It's extremely collaborative. I mean, usually there's a genesis from somebody in the band. Somebody will bring in a song or a riff or even, you know, just like one melody line. And um, it's always varied on how much the person brings in. I I and Jack have brought in like full songs before. And then we just figure them out and then change the parts we don't like. But then it's also been like, oh, that riff's sick. Like, let's just jam on that. And then you kind of build a song around that. So um, it's it's an extremely collaborative process, which some people, you know, don't like doing that. They just being they just like, you know, like this song's for me. The rest of the band learns and they like tweak little things. But. But um, I find that it's like it's like somebody that writes a book has an editor. And and, you know, you're not just going to write something down and then shoot it out. It's going to have all these mistakes and it's going to have these slow points. So you get bored and shit like that. And so having four people who are all very, very opinionated and very short attention spans being like, that part sucks. And then having the like maturity of have been <clears throat> having written long enough to be like, ow, that really hurts, but let's examine it again. And uh, so you, I think it's just for us, it works really well to have that sort of like, how do we make this song interesting from like beginning to end? Okay. No, that's it. So it sounds like there's some trust there between the band members. Like I had this band on uh, from LA Violet Saturn and their brother sister. And I was like, how do you guys not kill each other? And they said, well, that's actually better for the songwriting because you know, they have such a long relationship. They can tell each other, Oh, this sucks. And, you know, it's, it sounds mm -hmm. like the same with your band. You're able to kind of be more honest with each other. Yeah, you can. And like, and, you know, we've been doing this band for like almost like a little over a decade now. I think when we started our freshman year of college, like we've right. been going for a while. And, uh, and one thing Dylan is, is newer to the band. He's, you know, he's a few years in now, but you know, he's newer to the band. So at the beginning of the writing process of this, it was like, we were talking and stuff. And I was like, dude, like when somebody doesn't like your idea, it hurts just as much as the first day you fucking somebody told you they didn't like your idea. Like it never gets any better. Like you'll have this thing. And you're like, isn't that sick? And everybody's like, no, <laughs> you're just like, ah, you just get better at reacting to it. Huh? Okay. Yeah. 
So what do you do if somebody doesn't like it? Do you rewrite it, that part? Or would you save that part and go, you know what? I do. I still think this is good. Maybe I'll save this for another project or a solo uh, thing or. Possibly. Sometimes you give it a little bit of, you know, you give it an hour or two and you're like, yeah, you're right. That does suck. Or like you'll come (laughs) up with something else. I find that like the best method is to try every idea, no matter how much you like that part. Like always like never say, never say like, no, or put up and don't even like start an argument. Don't even put up an argument for why you like that part. If somebody says they don't like it, then just go, okay, so like, let me try. Let's try some other ideas. Hmm. Let's try some other ideas. And nothing better comes up than fuck. Yeah. Your part was the best, but like you just, you know, if somebody goes, what if you did this instead? You go, okay. And you just do it. Hmm. And no matter how much you want to not, you know, just, and it keeps the flow going. Like, the objective is to never stop the flow of ideas because once you stop the flow of ideas, it's just, it's over. It sucks. You know, like nobody wants to be there. Yeah. It was interesting. I heard you say, uh, I mean, obviously for people who don't know, you went to Berkeley, which is a prestigious music school, but you, that you learned, you learned some musical things and you had great professors, but that the creativity is something they can't teach you. So how do you, how, how do you learn to be creative? Like, I mean, maybe some people don't have the music in them, but how can you open the doors to receive the creative voices. That's the kind of paradox or almost, I don't want to say scam. Yeah, it's a scam. I mean, it's just like, that's what it is. It's like, if if you're an artist and you want to be an artist, like don't go to music school or go there to meet other musicians that like the same music, but then get the fuck out of there and start touring and making content. Cause it's like you, yeah, you can't teach creativity. And you, there's are useful skills that you can learn at colleges like that, that, you know, apply to different realms of music, but like that creativity has got to come from you and exploring it yourself. And if you, if you're in a band pushing each other to explore and get better, you know? Yeah. Is it, so is that, is it coming from each other that, uh, because your sound is very unique. I mean, there's so many, like, I, I thought that was more technically musical things that you learned at Berkeley, like the odd, I mean, I don't even know, I'm not a musician, but like, maybe is it like, what did you say? Like odd time signatures and things like stopping and starting and and those kinds of things that makes your sound unique. Is that just something that you kind of evolved over time with the band? Yeah. It was just something that, you know, it was just, we wrote because that felt right. We just did it. And we were like, that sounds cool. We like that. Let's do that. I, I think that writing from a, um, a perspective that is not just purely based around what feels good, you're going to end up with something that doesn't feel like anything. And the different time signatures were never because like we wanted to do something cool. It was just that felt right. And so that's why we did it. And um, yeah, it should always just, everything should just be based on whether or not it feels right. And that's like, it can be simpler or complex. It doesn't really matter. That's up to whoever is finding it, pulling it out of whatever, wherever songs come from, you know? Yeah. Cause you do have that song, which I think you, uh, you said was one of your favorites, uh, haunted. Was that the one that, and that's kind of more just mm-hmm. a simple stripped down acoustic song. Um, why is that one of your favorites? Do you like, do you prefer that? Cause it's easier. No, it's actually way harder to play. Really? Yeah. Because, um, it's the only song where we don't have drums. And so Will, our drummer, um, plays bass on that song. So there's nobody, there's nothing like, you know, because for me, like whenever we're playing live, 
Like I have the kick blaring through my monitor so I can feel it in my mm. chest and always keep time with that one. It's like, you just have to, you have to listen to everybody. And the song <clears throat> is not easy to sing. So it's like, you got to stay lined up. And so we did it one tour and uh, it worked really well, but that was only because we had like rehearsed it every day for like a week. And then the next time we went out on tour, we only had one day to rehearse it. And then we were going through the tour and it was fucking like, it was not fucking working. And um, I got sick at one point and I was like, okay, like I just got to sing this by myself because not only is it even harder to sing now, like it's not sounding right. We have no time to rehearse it. But the reason I like that song is because um, it was, I wrote the majority of that one, uh, lyric and melody wise. And uh, it was just really reflective of a period in my life that I look back on and and uh, see how I was doing and feeling at that time. And it's just interesting for me to go back and recall those feelings. In a positive way or to look back at it and say? More in an observ- observationist kind of way. I don't know if that's okay. a word. Yeah. It's just uh, you, these songs are kind of like timestamps of who everybody in the band was at that time period, whoever uh. the song came from. And, and um, being able to go back and recall those emotions when you perform it is kind of a unique, uh, um, not a gift in the sense of like, I'm being gifted, but like a gift to yourself. To right. like had be able to like see and feel who you were in that moment. Yeah. Is that hard too though? Cause like, I know, I think was it Allison chains, the song rooster was about his friend that died. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of songs like that that are about people that their friends that died. And then a lot of times those ones will become the biggest hits. Now you got to play mm-hmm. this song about your friend that died every night. And then it's got to bring those feelings back up. I mean, is there songs like that that are painful to sing? because of the memories yeah yeah i think it it all depends on it all depends on like like the mood of the night and where you are and and uh <clears throat> sometimes it is harder to sing those songs sometimes it isn't but i think that the times where it is easy to access that tends to be the best you know like if if everything's going wrong that night and the show's not flowing for you very well then it can be harder to kind of like uh, relax enough to get into that. But it's like the nights are yours. It's it's difficult, but it's just, I mean, it's very gratifying at the same time. It's very rewarding to be able to pull that up. And it's not like any of us force it because then you're putting on, you're putting on like a performance of Hmm. your own emotion. That's just, it's so, whenever I see that in like live performances or the person's like, being extra dramatic and shit like that it makes me cringe so hard so none of us try to ever get into that too performative sort of thing where it's like you're trying to force somebody to feel something it's like just always stay present in the moment and if the song's feeling that way that night then you'll know you know Hmm. that's interesting so you're not you're not really acting when you're on stage with in terms of uh, bringing up those emotions you're actually feeling it in the moment yeah, because, I mean, it's it's such an opportunity to just have, you're creating this this realm in, in you know, the 200 cap venue that you're in with all these people to just, like, 
really experience these like these these uh, sensations and the reason why the people are there. It's it's just like it's like this like for me I'm taking this out. Um, this I don't know. It's just such a fun thing. Not fun in the sense of fun, but just like a really satisfying moment that it's like you you found all these people and they found you because you share some sort of emotion that hits somewhere deep and like you get this opportunity to just nobody's judging anybody you just play these songs and you get to all feel the same exact thing and if you're forcing that people know i mean we're like creatures completely based on community and the subtleties of expression and some people are really good at faking and fooling that and we're not (laughs) so so you have to you have to just every single night just get up there and and get into that mindset and if and that's i mean i think that's why our shows are just so you know i'm obviously biased but just there's so much like electricity in the room like why they're just so chaotic and fun and and whatnot is because we get up there and it's like you lean into whatever insecurity or emotion that you're feeling. And because you're doing that, people feel a freedom to lean back and give you what they have too. And, and uh, it's magical. And that's, that's like the, that's the performance. It's not like a, it's not like a, I'm going to put on a show. It's like, I'm going to come here and I'm going to, I'm going to show you what I have to give. And you show me what you have to give. And at the end of the night, we'll have, you know, everybody will feel great. So it sounds like it's cathartic for you and for the audience. Yeah, it really okay. is. Awesome. It really is. Well, there'll be, uh, so the, you'll play some, uh, some old stuff. You're going to play some new stuff. Um, will there be any other surprises? Will you throw in some cover songs? Maybe some special guests will get up and sing with you. Will you switch instruments? Anything crazy like that? <laughs> mm. I would say like I would say like one we've never been good at covers. We played one cover gig our entire oh okay so we played one cover gig our entire career and it was like we were trying to find other ways to make money. It was like right when we moved out to California dirt poor we're all all four of us are living in this tiny two bedroom apartment. So we were like fuck it like cover gig yeah let's do it 500 bucks. Like so we went down to San Diego and we learned like 16 songs but we had to do a four hour set. So, so this was about an hour's worth of songs that we had to play four times in a row. Oh. And like, I'm like standing there, like reading off a piece of paper, like trying to play the songs. Will's got like, Will has just like a floor tom uh, snare, like a broken floor tom snare and, a, and this like tiny little kick. And like, we just had these tiny little amps and we were just like, fuck it. And so what we learned that night is that we are horrible at covers. Really horrible at covers. We, I mean, it's just something that's just not interesting to us. So we've never done a cover. And who's not to say, like, eventually one day we do. It was still a hilarious night because people could tell that we <laughs> we didn't prep at all for this. And so there was some fun in that. What kind but, of songs like, did you do? Oh, jeez, I can't even remember. I think we did a Black Key song. Oh, okay. Um, we did some Jet. We did a Royal Blood song. Sounds fun though. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think there's two kinds of cover songs. There's the ones that like your band sounds like that, and then you play it like true to the original. And then there's ones where it's like 
you take something totally different and you make it your own. Like when Metallica did whiskey in the jar, like that or the original original, I mean, before, before thin Lizzie covered it, it was like an Irish folk drinking song and they turned into a heavy That's metal. That's how I know it. I didn't know Metallica did a cover of that. Yeah. Oh, you've never heard the Metallica whiskey in the jar. No. Oh, freaking amazing. Yeah. Listen. I mean, obviously if you know the original, listen to Metallica's version. It's fucking badass. Like Metallica was the king of that. They would take these, I thought they'd take these old punk songs and like they'd make them heavy metal. And then you go back and listen to the original and it's like, mm, it's not as cool. Like the way Metallica did, it was cool. They played it heavier, you know? So I don't know. Something to think about, but yeah. uh, I'm excited for this, uh, the new stuff. Can you tell us anything about the new songs that you do have? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you some stuff. I mean, we don't have any release dates and we're still getting the mixes back, but we're done tracking okay. it and we're trying to get it out the doors, you know, as soon as possible now that it's done. And um, with our last album, there was a there's a um, diversity in the way that we write music. You know, we had like really heavy stuff, more alt stuff, more soft acoustic stuff. And so we just kind of more subconsciously dove deeper into all those caveats. And it's it's like some of the stuff is really heavy. Some of the stuff is really weird. Some of the stuff is very poppy. It's like, it's like we just, you know, tried to just level it up, you know, like how could we take this last album, what we learned from it and, and just really dive into how expansive we can be within our own genre and maybe even outside of our genre and, and uh, just follow that, that one rule that we have that you just feel it and whatever comes out comes out and so i'm hyped on it i'm very really? excited for it is yeah. this the I'm best album shit. what's that I said i'm nervous as shit nervous but like, yeah yeah because it's like some of it sounds like the old album like a few songs off of there have this like dark old blues kind of feel but some of it's just i mean like i'm very proud of all the songs they're really well-written songs. And so I think it's just because I've been, we've been sitting on these for so long and I've heard them each like a thousand times at this point that I don't even know how to fucking judge it anymore. Mm. <laughs> that I'm just like, let's just get these out the fucking door and see how, see how it, how it does. And I'm just like ready to go. Well, have you played it for other people, like family members or record execs? Oh, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. love it? Oh, yeah. 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 But it's funny because it's, I get like a different, this is my favorite. Like I've shown it to a lot of my friends and family and stuff. And I get, and this is the same for the um, rest of the guys in the band is that I've shown it to so many people and each one of them gives me a different, like, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. And then other ones that people absolutely love, I'll show it to another person. They like fucking hate it. Really? So, yeah. Huh. Which is great. Which is great actually. Cause the, I think the worst reaction you can have from any song is indifference. True. So if somebody hates it, that's actually, that's actually not like you're on the wrong track. It's like, well, uh, especially if somebody else loved that, then that means there's something there. It's creating some sort of emotion. Yeah. Wow. So, so then how, you, how the hell do you pick the first single though? Good question. <laughs> that is a, uh, <laughs> that is a debate that is quite heated at the moment. And now, you know, we're getting the label involved too. And 
they're super stoked on the on the songs that they've heard that are mixed. They're like really stoked on them. Uh, and so it's it's going to be a very difficult position to be in to pick one, which is a great position to be in, you know, in my opinion, that you have all these people fighting for yeah. different singers. But then again, it's like once you release the album, then the, the audience can decide like Spotify will the, the highest, uh, the best, most popular song will be the most streams. Like that's, what's kind of cool about Spotify and stuff like that is that people get to decide what the best songs are. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll know, we'll know in a few months, probably. Oh, is that, is this going to be a few months until? Let's see. Well, if we're going to do, I'd probably say like, End of summer would probably be the full okay. thing. And then we're going to drop some singles before. So then people definitely need to go and catch you on tour to hear the new songs to get a sneak preview, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Precisely. Now, will you have a uh, merch at the shows too? Cause I went on your website today and it's like the merch, the, the shipping was disabled or something. There's something going on with that. Yeah. So we, uh, we usually sell our merch, whatever we have left over from tour on our website, but it's uh, we sold out of all of it on this last tour with highly suspect. So uh, we're working on we're working on getting our own like online store, like official online store going. And we're going to have a ton of merch, especially at the first show. OK. Um, so, yeah, we're actually yeah, working then, on designs, which should be done sometime today. So, OK, cool. Well, I hope I can make that one. And then you guys also have some uh, the Europe shows and then you have some festivals. Tell me about playing the festivals, because I think you're playing the Aftershock with I mean, it's like every band guns and roses and then louder than life. The Foo Fighters, like when you have mm-hmm. those big festivals, uh, I've heard kind of like conflicting stories on like how much contact you actually have with the other bands. Like, is it because everyone kind of has their own dressing room, right? So do you actually get yeah. to mingle and network with some of the other bands or is it you more keep yourself the smaller ones? Yeah. The bigger bands, those guys have been doing it for so long that, you know, they're just off doing their own thing. So maybe you'll run into them at the like catering or whatnot. But like they're usually, you know, pretty in and out of there, which is fine. I totally get it. You know, like you've been fucking massive for 20 years. And you're like, okay, I'm done talking. I'm done networking. I don't need to do that. People will come to me, you know. And um, but you I mean, the, the nice thing is you get to stand backstage and watch some of these fucking bands that you love. And from a really unique perspective that you know you're not out in the audience you're like off to the side and you're like looking at all the subtleties of like how they run their show and what they do on stage it's a really interesting perspective yeah give me an example who's a band a big band that you learned from uh, watching that learned from uh i don't know about learned from but just it's more of like an intrigue intriguing thing for me because we all love performing so much that i you know i saw i saw dermot kennedy uh side stage in you know who dermot kennedy is no he's like a uh he's like this irish electro pop kind of folk stuff amazing performer amazing songwriter and um will saw or was friends with dermot's drummer in college and so uh we played uh pink pop in the netherlands and uh he let us stand side stage and just watch their show and to see like how it's just to see such different music being performed and how that's done. Like he was so stoic on stage and there was just like moving around the stage and like the set design 
was really interesting because they had the drummer like on this massive fucking like 15 foot platform and and seeing these subtleties in interactions between each other because the music's so like beautiful and soft and it was it was like it was like the same interactions that we have on stage but like dialed back like 95 percent but it was still very genuine and, and interesting to see because with us on stage it's like we're all just going fucking ape shit the entire time like as hard as we can and i had never experienced seeing from the performer's perspective music that is just so uh much different you know hmm. i'll have to so check it out yeah yeah no, do it then, so then tell me about um i haven't heard you ever talk about this you toured with seven dust Talk, what did you learn from them or what was that like? Uh, I mean, cause they're, they're a huge band and you got to open for them. Yeah. We got to open from them. Uh, Clint, who was, uh, who's a guitarist, uh, found us and he loved their music. And so that was, that was kind of a wild experience. Just like being able to sit side stage and then, and then him come over to us and like, you know, like give us a thumbs up or something like that. You're like, Whoa, he's he's stoked that we're watching him play. Like that's pretty fucking cool. And uh it, you just get this like really like I don't know, it's it's just like a very personal experience watching from the side and like seeing how somebody who's been doing it for 20 years, like how the calmness and the confidence kind of comes through from somebody that's just like, you know, basically lives up there on yeah. stage. Did they give you any, or did you get any other advice from them or anything? Like, do they uh, tell you guys any, any sort of pointers or anything like that? It's a lot of keep going. You get that a lot. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I find that is the biggest thing is, you know, it's like, I don't think, you know, none of us came from really musical backgrounds or, or, you know, musical families. It was all just kind of like, figure it out yourself. Whereas in, you know, in LA, you meet somebody and you find out their dad's like fucking the top plastic surgeon in the area and has been doing all the famous musicians for like years and stuff. And so they have this like money and backing and like, we didn't have that. We, we all just, you know, it was all from our own money, all from our own thing. So the one thing that kind of seemed true was like, just stick with it and keep trying to get better. And that seems to be advice that holds true because that's what all the all the bands that we've ever toured with that have that are super successful say is just keep going. So we just keep going. You think is there a goal, like a point where you go, okay, like we've made it? Because I feel like, or you've already there. Cause I mean you're freaking touring with Seven Dust and uh Highly Suspect, you're doing the aftershock louder than life. I mean, you're professional musicians, right? I mean, you've you've made it in a way, or are you still trying to get better? <sighs> Um, that's an interesting question. Cause I used to think like, okay, if I could get to here, then I feel like I've made it or I can get to here. Mm -hmm. And we toured with this band kind of early on down in Mexico, uh, called beta. And they're a great, great Mexican band. And, um, the guitarist said like, Hey, like what you're doing right now is you're playing for people and like, you're getting to experience this life that not a lot of people get to experience no matter what the scale that's making it and he's like don't try to think about it like i gotta reach this sort of goal i gotta reach this sort of goal he's like 
you're living this really sick, unique life. No matter how fucking dirt poor you are or like what position you are, you're getting to experience something. And that's always kind of stuck with me whenever I thought about like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, there's not, I'm not making money. I'm not fucking filling these venues. And now we're starting to fill smaller venues. But, you know, for the longest time, nobody gave a shit. But there was still this just like, didn't matter how many people were in the audience. It was just, I loved it. And that's what's important is just like, you're going to die. Everyone's going to die. You know, you can reach these goals. And then once you get to those goals, it's like, did I enjoy all these steps along the way? Like, did I enjoy, was I present in those moments? Or did I just hit this goal and now what? So making it has kind of evolved, I think, for everybody in the band. I think I think the the objective idea of making it would be like, you know, like I can buy a house with this money, blah, 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 kind of thing. And, but the making it is just kind of like, when you're, playing these shows and everybody in the audience is smiling and mocking and fucking going wild. And you're joking around with them. It's like, it's like, that's something that's going to be locked in my head for the rest of my life. And I just get to do that over and over and over. Like, Whoa, what a unique perspective on life. That's fucking awesome, man. Just listening to yeah. hear you talk about that. It's like, cause it's funny. Like you, you hear like, uh, I don't know if you uh, read the rock news or whatever, but like, yeah, they just had Kirk Hammett from Metallica was just talking about uh, the song master puppets and how he's bored playing that solo. Cause he's done it so many fucking times. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're at the uh, beginning, you're at the fun stage. You're getting cr- to create, you're getting to make all this new music and you don't have to play. You don't have some like, huge hit that you have to play. I mean, you, you have some, obviously some popular songs with millions of streams, but you're not having to play this song you've had to play for 40 years or 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe ask me again in 40 years if we have, (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing also because they they probably made a lot of money off that album and those songs, but Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's like the happiness to me, that is success. Like the way you talk about it and that connection and the feeling that, I mean, cause there's a lot of people that have a lot of money that are miserable. And, uh, so I'd rather be happy and, you know, poor or middle-class than be rich and miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I kind of feel about it too. Cause you know, after doing it for so long and you're just like, you're waiting for just like paychecks to come in and you have like all of these different jobs that you're, you know, having to get and then quit and then tell your employer, like, I'm not showing up. And, and, uh, I, you know, I've worked every app job under the sun and you get to this point where it's just like, you really stop giving a shit. You're like, okay, when I'm off the road, shit's just going to be a grind. And it's just what it is, you know, like the money, the money will find its way to me eventually because we, I, I can see we're growing, but if I just focus on that the entire time, then I'm not going to enjoy it. And that's the whole reason I play music is because I enjoy it. And I yeah. It. So when you're off the road, you have to do like, you have to do like side gigs, side jobs and things like that. Uh, it's gotten a lot less. I think we're starting to make some money off the road or on the road that sustains us off the road. But, um, but so it's, it's not as stressful as it used to be, but um, which is really nice. But yeah, you occasionally have to take up side jobs just do what you can and stuff like that. 
but uh, it's getting better every single every single tour we go out. We're growing, and the side jobs are less and less. And, and no cover, no cover band <laughs> side jobs. No cover band gigs. <laughs> no standing there. Yeah, because you could stuff. sing some of those old '90s rock songs, like. I think a lot of those '90s rock bands can't sing the songs very well. Like, I feel like there's an age uh, an age limit on some of the those like screaming songs. So that's interesting that like you're like, oh, we can't do it. Or, like, it seems like more like you could do it, you just don't feel you're not feeling it with the cover stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's usually what it is. I, you know, I'm I'm so particular. Me in particular, I think I'm more so particular than everybody else in the band about cover songs. That if like you, if it's not as good or better than the original, like, what's the fucking point of doing it? You know, you're just kind of doing a disservice to the song at that point. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not against covers. I just think that I don't want to do one until I until we play one. It's like, whoa, I think we found something different here. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you make a twist on it, I think that's what if you guys ever did do a cover, that's what how you would do it is Mm -hmm. making a twist. I'm excited to hear this new stuff. Uh, So, yeah, the first the tour kicks off May 12th. In Arizona, I'm hoping to make that first show. And then would you be adding more dates? Would you come back through the US after you go through Europe or Yeah, so the plan is um the plan is get this get this album out over the summer and then just the fall we're just gonna hit it hard. We'll be everywhere, like everywhere. So as a club headline, or would you do a package thing like with the highly suspect and bad flower or something like that? Or uh so we're gonna be on tour with a different band. I can't say who yet, but they're Ooh. They're they're pretty uh, big up and covers. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and so we're going to be opening for them, and then we'll probably do some headline shows. Okay, sounds exciting. Cool. Well, I will, uh, like I said, I'll try to hit that uh, Arizona show. There's shows in Texas and Florida. It's all over, so people can, uh, or just wait until this other one. That probably more dates for the uh, the other shows. No, fuck it. Come to both, dude. Come to both. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I'm saying if like they live in like Washington or so. Are you going to Washington? No, not going We're to Washington. We're not going to Washington on this tour. And we do have fans that keep asking us to come up there. And so we will be up there soon. I was gonna say that's uh I'm that's where I'm originally from in Seattle, and I feel like there's be, there'd be a lot of people that would love this style of music up there for sure. Yeah, well, we like playing Seattle. It's a cool Which crowd. Which venues do you play up there? Oh shit, what's the name of it? I can I can always remember the layout of venues. I can never remember the names. You're kind of like it's it's like a 500 cap room standing on stage, and then the bar. You kind of like go up these stairs in the back to the right, and there's like a overlook on the right that's like a whole bar area. Is that the so Soto? It's a showbox, or there's the Crocodile Cafe. No, the, uh, Paramount. That's kind of big. Moore Theater. I don't even know if the Moore's still there. I haven't been to a show no, since I moved. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't. I don't know the name of it. It's kind of like on a. It kind of looks like it's on like a shitty back alley street. If you ever get like a really uh, a big it's headlining or America. opening, America. What's up? If you get an opening gig and you get to play the Gorge, like definitely take that. Take advantage of that. That's a great venue. It's huge. The Gorge. Okay. Yeah, it's in one. That's one of like that one in Red Rocks are supposedly two of the best venues in the country. I've never played. I've never or been to a, sh- a show at Red Rocks, but it looks cool. Yeah, it does. We in the fall when we were opening it for Highly Suspect, our last show with them was the show before they played Red Rocks, and we were like, "God <sighs> damn it, so yeah. close, dude!" Yeah, yeah. that would be cool. All right, well, thanks so much for doing this. I always end. Uh, I promote a charity. Is there a charity or cause or something that you want to promote here at the end? Mm, what do you have? What do, what do I have? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, what charities I, you got? Well, we, I've had over 300 episodes, and I mean, I, we promoted mental health, animals, 
veterans. I mean, those are, or if there's some sort of like, you know, disease or something that you want to bring awareness to that people might not know about that can donate money to something like that, like something that's affected a family member, you know, something like that. I don't know. There's, Oh geez. I don't have one off the, off the back, off the back of my hand. Okay, well, the, 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 was I supposed to know about this? I yeah, I thought I told you, but it's fine. The default one that I always just say is like St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Look, everybody can get behind that. I just try to try to do yeah. something at the end to kind of bring people. There's so much divisive things. No, I love right that. Now, and so I should like, have that answer. On, yeah, like we can all get together and uh, say, you know, after people, of course, buy your new album when it comes out after that, you merch. Web, the websites gets uh, loaded back up and you get the merch on there and people buy some merch. They have a few dollars extra. They can throw it to St. Jude's. That's always a good thing. So. Throw it to St. Jude's. Yeah, yeah, I like cool. that. Cool. All right. Well, I'll see you on tour and uh, I'm excited to see a show. It's, it's sounds like it's like the shows are going to be really high energy, which I like. Yeah, and they are. They always are. Okay. Very cool. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, man. All right. See you later. Peace. Bye. All right, Jack Underkoffler is the man. Dead Poets Society is the band. They have shows lined up now. And new music is on the way. So make sure to follow them on social media to keep up with what they're doing and help support them. And you can support this show in the same way. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that good stuff. And make sure you're subscribed to the show on YouTube uh, because we're going to be posting some exclusive content on there that will only be on YouTube and nowhere else. Uh, I appreciate all your help in growing the show and making it bigger so that we can get great guests like Jack. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon.